0: Now on All Our FM, a special broadcast with George Matlock.
1: Good on the line, Sir Cliff Richard. Uh, first of all, Sir Cliff, thank you very much for joining us here on Radio All FM. Like That's my pleasure, sir. Today is Cliff Richard Day on the station, and we are going to be playing lots of your songs throughout the, the day, as well as your uh, big song, uh, which has just been released a week ago, uh, called Thank You for a Lifetime. Uh, sir Cliff, can I ask you, first of all, uh, the, the song is, it's, it's a lovely song, I have to say. Um, what, what actually made you decide to do this song?
0: Well, I didn't think I was going to find a song that was um, the right one for thanking, you know, fans for 50 years of support, because it could turn out to be pretty yucky. But when I heard this one, I thought, well, this is kind of autobiographical. It talks about, you know, I I, I me remembering a kid standing on a stage trying to hold his nerve till he heard the music played. And I thought, well, that's how it was for me. So, uh, and then, of course, the chorus is this wonderful thanks for sharing the story and thanks for being there for me. So, to me, it sounded not at all yucky, but everything that I wanted to to put into a lyric that would say thanks to my, my fans and anybody who's supported me over the years.
1: Right. I mean, a lot of artists do autobiographical songs. In fact, some do albums, as you know. Uh, Sir Elton John himself did... Uh... Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy back in the seventies when he was in the, in you know when he was just starting out. In fact, uh, he was already writing his autobiography there. Um, and uh, d- d- I hope this isn't going to be your last song. This is hopefully just a, a kind of a, a, a reality check. Is it this song? Do you think the first uh, no, of many it's, more?
0: Uh, it's, uh, it's my fiftieth year. It was the right time to make something <laughs> like that. And that's it. whether it's the last single, I ever made, I don't really know because singles don't actually sell and i'm used to, i'm always going to be a recording artist i'll keep recording of course but as things change um, you know there's a heck of a lot of downloading go on going on and therefore you don't sell cds mm-hmm. um, and that's okay i suppose if that's the way it goes i should try and edge my way into that but at the moment i'm i'm someone who sells cds so I mean, it's available to to purchase and and i and i like i prefer cds actually downloads are nowhere near the quality of a cd so i'd rather make good quality product and make it available to the public.
1: You're there absolutely, you you're absolutely right. <laughs> Downloads yeah. are about a tenth of the quality of a CD. You're absolutely they right. Really, are. I'm not quite sure why people are sucked into it, but never mind, they are, and that's the way we have to compete. It's convenience food, and it's you know disposable razors, and it's <laughs> it's convenience music, <laughs> isn't it these days? Uh, so, Cliff, you've also got a, an autobiography out called My Life My Way. Uh, so, obviously, this ties in bu- brilliantly with that. Um, how long did it take you to write that book? You could say a lifetime, I'm sure, but how long <laughs> really? <laughs>
0: Well, the subject is a lifetime's worth of work, I guess, but uh, I worked with Penny Juno, who helped me do it. Um, We spent many, many hours, but we started talking about this about 18 months ago. Mm -hmm. And we met two or three times across that period and then finally sat down for a whole week. And I just she actually was like a psychiatrist. She was questioning me the whole time and we put it all on tape. And I I philosophized much more about my past life and what my career means to me, what my parents mean to me, what various things that are topics of conversation, even in our newspapers these days, what I feel about those things. So it gave me a great great freedom to be myself and express myself. And uh, I guess it's the right time to do it. I am celebrating 50 years, and it's been a heck of a long time, although it seems to have slipped by rather quickly. And, um, yeah, 18 months, I guess you could say, it took to put together.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, the second song that's on the, on the CD single um, is, and I hope I pronounced this correctly because it's quite a mouthful, Mobile Alabama School Leaving Hullabaloo. Um, <laughs> that's a great name for a song. It's a great track. Actually, It's a great rock and roll track, but uh, what came uh, how did? Uh, how did you come up with that? Or well, in this case, how did Chris East come up well, with that it, title?
0: Well, I recorded it in 1977 and never released it, so it's a previously unheard of song. But... Uh... I I recorded it with Bruce Welsh, he was the producer, and I forgot all about it, to be honest with you, and it was that period when I had Devil Woman and We Don't Talk Anymore, and I I guess Mm. we thought we'd rather go with those two, and this one slipped through the mesh somehow. Anyway, when they were compiling this new CD pack that I have coming out uh, uh, shortly Mm -hmm. called, and they said it wouldn't last... One of the songs they they sent me a whole bunch of titles saying, "Look, this we found this song." Well, I sent the list back saying, "I've never recorded that song. I would remember a title like that." Anyway, when I heard it, I realised I'd forgotten the title completely. I can't believe I did forget it, but it's a wonderful rock and roll song. And in fact, it's so good I'm going to use it to close the first half of my forthcoming show. Oh wow! When I start I start my tour on November the 10th and play through throughout Europe, throughout Britain. And it's, it's such a wonderful rock and roll song. Now, t- and your pronunciation was pretty good.
1: <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, you could be a DJ as well, you know. Um, now, Sir so Cliff, I, I want to ask you as well um, about Poland, because a lot of our listeners obviously are Polish. And uh, I wanted to ask you, are you going to be touring out east at all?
0: Not at the moment. At the moment, uh, the celebration, I've kind of kept it to Britain because this is where everything started for me and happened for me. Mm -hmm. And also, I can do the show I want to do here. When I tour, it's sometimes a real frustration for me that I have to take a show to places like Poland or wherever I can go. And I can't do the same show because the size of the stages are bigger, you know, the... The height of the hall is not Mm. the same. I can't take the same lighting. I can't seem to take the same set. Mm. So before I even think about going abroad, what I'm going to do is do the show I want to do right here in Britain. And it's already planned and set up. The stuff is all being built as we speak. And I'll DVD it. I'll put it on a DVD and then make it available. And if ever I get a chance, of course, to do something like that, I will. But it's very, very expensive and also very disappointing when you plan a show and then you find you have to cut half of it out.
1: Absolutely. and uh, Now, I know you spend some of your time in the UK. You're also in Portugal, is that right? You live down there?
0: Yeah, well, I, I've, I've been going there since 1961, and it's a, it's a wonderful, uh, the Algarve is a wonderful area, I mm. must admit. It's very fine weather right through from May till now, actually. I've had friends just come back from Portugal, and they said yesterday it was 30 degrees, and it's, it's only 2 hours and 20 minutes away from London. I can't believe that we could have such different weather.
1: Mm. I have to say, it's only two hours and 20 minutes away to get to Warsaw, and they've had Thirty, nearly thirty degrees Celsius all week. So it just goes to show how amazing exact, the weather exact. is outside yep. of the UK. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I mean, from, from over fifty years. I mean, fifty years is an, an incredible uh, milestone in itself uh, in in the show business uh, world. There, it, is, it really is remarkable. Um, have you? I'm sure you have toured out out east before. What what's, what are your sort of recollections of touring uh, out in in East Europe uh, in in all these wonderful years? I haven't
0: been to. I don't think I've been to East in Europe for quite a long time now.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I guess when I first went, it all seemed uh, technically rather primitive. Right. Uh, I'm sure things have changed drastically. I mean, I can't even remember how long ago it was that I was in Warsaw <laughs> and, and various places Prague and, you know, I, uh, it's, it's, it's in, in distant memory. But um, I guess the, all, all I can remember, most countries that I visit, I really, really only remember the fact how the public react. And we were always amazed how much they knew about the music that we played and not just my music, but, you know, Western rock and roll stuff. And we were always very impressed by that. And their their reaction was very warm. And so my memory is is a very happy memory. So I look forward to coming back. I'd love to come back to not only Eastern Europe, but all over Europe. I, I tend to tour less and less these days. Um... But, you know, it's, it's always on the cards.
1: Okay, well, that's bre- fantastic. And uh, I, I should say as well that uh, uh, in Europe, you've always been very popular. I know that throughout the whole of continental Europe, uh, you've had a very strong fan base as well, haven't you?
0: I have, yeah. I, think, I say I don't tour that often, but in fact, when I think about it now, in 2007, I toured right through from Finland, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Holland, Belgium, Germany and France. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess they're the places that um, I've been to most. And we should really think about the the eastern eastern side of Europe is actually very much on the map these days. So I have no excuse for not coming. I'm just hoping that maybe there's a promoter listening, and we'll be in touch.
1: <laughs> we have that on record, and we'll do our help. We'll do our best to help you on that on that merry way. Okay. Fantastic. And of course, finally on tennis, you must be pretty proud of uh, Andy Murray's performance so far.
0: Yes, I think he had a wonderful, fantastic tournament, and he said himself that it was one of the greatest fortnights of his of his life. And quite rightly, even though he didn't win, he was still philosophical about how pleasurable it was to, to get to that position of playing in the final. And he did a great job. I mean, he, he sliced up Nadal. I've never seen Nadal collapse over and gasp for breath. Mm. And that's what Andy did to him. But I guess uh, w- sometimes when you know, he's only 21 years old, and it was a fantastic experience. And it's not just physical tennis. It's emotional and mental. Mm-hmm. And I guess pulling himself together to face the world's number well, he's the world's number two, but probably still the world's greatest player, Federer. He didn't find that, didn't, find, wasn't able to pull himself up to that, that great war that we needed for that last thing. But he'll do it. He, he said he learned a lot. He learned from Federer that he still has a way to go. And anybody that can say that usually means they're going to work on it, and they almost certainly will do it.
1: That's fantastic. Well, that's enough about Andy Murray. We're here to talk about Sir, Sir Cliff Richard. Thank you very much for joining us today My on pleasure. our show. And uh, may you have... Well, we, we want to thank you for a lifetime as well. And we hope it gets to number one and it stays there. And uh, we hope one day to see you here in the studio as well.
0: Thank you very much, and Thank you for giving me a day to myself. I really appreciate that.
1: Thank you very much. All the best.
0: Okay, George. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.